So, uh, Andy and Troy are not here, so no pressure, right? <laughs> That's perfect. Perfect. Um, I know Andy. Andy was uh, one of the professors at the Southwest School of Bible Studies when I was there. I tell this story because it's funny, and you guys will appreciate it. Uh, I got there, and when you sign up to go to Southwest, it's like going to the military, right? And you got to get ready, and you go in there, and they put on this application, what have you done in way of serving uh, during worship? And they have on there all the acts of worship and, and various areas to lead. And it said, which one do you like the least? I said, singing, right? Don't like that at all. Don't want to do it. So it was the first chapel, and there's a chapel every single day with all the students, all the professors, elders from everywhere, other congregations come in sometimes, and uh, it's every day at 10 o'clock in the morning, and they said, everybody check the list to see who's serving today. It's the first chapel. Uh, I walked over there, and I said, well, let's hope my name's not there. Pray about it. I got there, and it said, Justin, singing. So I went to Rick Brumback, and I said, Brother Brumback, uh, you must have not read my application. <laughs> he says, no, I read it. That's why you're singing. <laughs> and so I didn't know one thing about song leading. And I, I mean, I, I think I sang Jesus Loves the Little Children. <laughs> That's all I could do. But I said to myself, I said, do not move your arm because you don't know what you're doing with any kind of holding time. Just get up there, hold the book and look down. So I got there and I was like, Jesus loves us. And I went for it. And I was like, why are you moving your arm? I was thinking the whole time and it wouldn't stop. So when the class was over, there was guys looking at me like this. One guy who ends up to be a really good friend of mine now, and he's one of the preachers over at, um, oh boy, League City. Uh, he looks at me and he goes, who taught, where'd you learn how to lead singing? I said, I didn't. He's like, oh, good. I'm glad nobody taught you, man. I don't know what you were doing, casting spells. I don't <laughs> but uh, I'm grateful to Andy because uh, I know how to lead singing now <laughs> with all the proper times. In going with your theme, I am a sheep and the Lord is my shepherd. I don't want to hit the normal stuff. I'm sure that you've all heard the basic things when in John chapter 10 and so forth, when Jesus is the good shepherd and all those things that he says for us to continue to do so we can be a good sheep. Today, I want to talk about our confidence to stay in the fold, right? Where, where's your confidence at? Where's your faith? A lot of people build their faith on a whim. Uh, and I'll say that because they'll read the latest thing or they'll see the latest TED Talks or they'll see a documentary or some philosopher will say something that, and by the way, most philosophers, right, all philosophers, will go ahead and tell you this is their ideas, but there's never really any truth that you can nail down. So they'll say stuff that sounds really good, and they'll get our kids, they'll get some of our young, young adults, and they'll get some of the members who have been in the church forever to one day say, you know what, I'm going to go check things out elsewhere. I'm going to go look and see what's going on. Now, the problem with that is, is you're forgetting whose fold you belong to, right? Who do you want to belong to? Do you want to belong to Jesus and his fold? Do you have that confidence? This is what builds confidence in any one of your relationships that you have, whether it's with your coworkers, your wife, your children, 
everybody needs trust, competence, truthfulness, trustworthiness, integrity, reliability, loyalty, accountability, and righteousness. That means they trust you to do the right thing, and they can see within your character that you will never wrong them. That's what builds confidence, right? So you can think about things in your life. You don't have confidence in your home taxes because they change. Sometimes you have to go down and fight for your taxes. Hey, this is not how much it is. And you fight for it. You you don't have that confidence in everything. You don't have confidence in your insurance that you pay for from Geico or wherever. You may be paying $220, but slowly it moves up and moves up. You don't have confidence in in your cell phone bill. We'll sign you up for $99 and it's everything. And then you get all the taxes afterwards. And then three months later, you get increases. You can't build confidence on those types of things. What you can build confidence in is human beings. And the human being that you need to have confidence in is Jesus who came. You think about John chapter 20, verse 31. Look at what the Bible is saying. But these are written. What? All the things that he did, right? Everything that he did. But these are written that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God. Once a person has heard the word of God, has, you know, reasoned over in their mind what's going on, and they obey the gospel, they say, I believe and have confidence in Jesus Christ. At the moment that they realize that he's the Son of God, And they think to themselves, I can see that I am separated from God in my sin. If I die in this state, I will not go to heaven. So at that point, the rational human being says, oh, no, if I look through secular history, even in the first century, I see that Jesus was here. People are writing about him. One writer even says "Um, this Jesus, this man, if you can call him a man, for he has done mighty works was here, was crucified, died, and now he's back again. So you have all these logical, rational things. You're believing by way of law of rationality. You take the evidence and you say the evidence points to Jesus Christ is absolutely the Son of God. At that point, the person decides right then and there in their mind, am I going to obey the gospel or am I going to go my own way? That's just like King Agrippa, right? Almost you persuaded me, Paul, to become a Christian. It comes down to that point. Now, the problem is, is when people get to that point, they don't realize that they need to have confidence in their husband that they're about to marry. They need to have confidence in the house that he built that they're about to live in. And they need to have confidence in the family that they're about to be adopted into. And when they go into the waters of baptism, oftentimes, more than not, they go into the waters of baptism very selfishly. Let me let me explain what I mean. They go in thinking, I, I, I need to be saved. I need to be clean. And that's all well and good. But when they go into that waters of baptism, when they come out, they don't realize they just put a ring on their finger till death do us part, right? It's a marriage. And when we leave that marriage, because we decide that the shepherd isn't good enough, 
It's a divorce. And when you get divorced like that, God doesn't like it. Right? He was so gracious enough to say, you see my son? I'll give you my son for marriage. Now think about that for a moment. I'll tell you right now, there are some children, some boys, who have come up to me and said, Mr. Justin, like, yes, I'm going to marry your daughter when we get older. No, no, son, you're not. <laughs> Why? Because I don't deem them worthy enough at this point in their life. They haven't shown me anything. When you guys get older, your kids are going to bring or have brought people to your house. And they say, this is the one I'm going to marry. Well, let's look at their pedigree. Let's see how their parents are. Let's see their family lineage. Let's see how faithful their brothers and sisters and cousins and everybody else is. How faithful are they? What have they done? How good is their character? And only after we've molded over do we say it's a good match. I'm going to lovingly give the life of my daughter or son to you because I trust you. I have found all these attributes in you. And I'm saying you can take care of that person for the rest of your life. That's the type of marriage that we're entering in when we enter in with Christ Jesus. We are part of that family. Now, I want you to think about Jesus as the shepherd. Jesus is the good shepherd. He's there. Everyone's in that family. Do you realize when, when he's there correcting He's making sure all those sheep are following. They're all married to Jesus. And so we have to have confidence in Jesus. Confidence doesn't come from self. Proverbs chapter 14 and verse 16. A wise man fears and departs from evil, but a fool rages and is self-confident. The truth of the matter is we all lean on someone. We've all called someone for help. We all feel comfortable knowing someone's there, a phone call away, a house away, one verbal conversation away to be confident in them to help. If you have that, that's a great attribute. If you the type of person who says, I don't need anyone because I can do it all myself, uh, it never seems to work out that way. Psalm 143 and verse 10. Look what the psalmist says here. Teach me to do your will. Now, there's the emphasis. When you have a shepherd, they're leading you because you trust them. If they don't trust you as a shepherd, they will leave. I'm going to bring it back into a family setting. You, we've all seen families that it seems to go well, but kids sometimes hit puberty they hang out with the wrong crowd. Things go wrong. I can't stand my parents. I've got to leave this house. And then they start to break rules. They start to sneak out. They start to call and talk to people they're not supposed to. They're found leaving the house dressed one way, going to a friend's house, changing their clothes, thinking they're smart like we haven't figured that out right from 1972. And they go out and do those things. It's all bad. And then when they leave, they say, I'm out of here. And they want to go on their own way. Do you know why they didn't take the faith, the morality, the, the compass from those parents? 
because they've decided that that shepherding is not good enough for their life. And they've relied on the shepherding of their friends and the world. And what they will quickly realize is that their friends will not be there when the lights are going to get shut off and they need to call mom and dad to pay for it. Right? Their friends will not be there when they're heartbroken. Their friends will not be there to help them when they're sick and pray for them. Their friends will. The only place they're going to have that confidence that they can be prayed for, they can be taken care of, they can be watched over, they can be, um, you know, just all together taken care of is in that family unit. Now, that's your mom and dad. How much more the church? Because there's many, many members of the church who their parents aren't members of the church. And sadly, they can depend. Well, it's a good thing, but sad for them that they can depend on the church more than they can depend on their family. And so we have to know that this confidence doesn't come from self, but it's teaching me to do your will. That's God's will. For you are my God. That's taking personal possession of the relationship between God and yourself and the shepherd. Your spirit is good. That is, all your teaching is righteous and good and can be put up against world's teaching and can put the world's teaching to shame and can keep us living long, healthy, righteous, with great families and your lineage doing the same. Lead me, he says, lead me in the land of uprightness. Now, there's the switch. He says, you have the will. You have the teaching. I am your personal possession in your shepherdship. You are my God. Now look at the tone. Look where he changes. Now he says, lead me. That means I trust you. You know, when people leave the church, when they start missing and missing and missing, uh, they leave the church for various reasons. But the overarching reason that they leave the church is because they're not letting the shepherd lead. They're deciding from other things. Maybe it's a book they read and now they're smart, right? Maybe it's a talk show they saw and now they're enlightened. Maybe it's, um, you know, a denominational preacher that they're going to follow and now they're going to go under the single pastor system. They're, they're switching, they're changing. And it's because they have told themselves that God is not good enough to be the shepherd. And so you ask the question, who do you have confidence in, right? Who do you have confidence in? My dad told me uh, when I was growing up, everything I have, son, is yours. If you were to ask me for everything I had and you really needed it, I would give you everything without question. I've always had confidence in my earthly dad this way, right? Uh, I felt like he would always bail me out. One day I was newly married to my wife and I remember him telling me, you know, if you marry your wife, we were very young. She was 18 years old. He said, you know, I'm not going to pay for your college anymore. And he was paying for my college. Right. And I, I would just say, here, dad, here's the bill. And he would say, here, son, here's the check. <laughs> it was a, it's a great situation. Right. So we would do that. And he said, you know, you're going to have to pay for your college and you're going to have to pay for your wife's college. And I didn't think about it. I said, oh, I'll figure it out. We got married. 
we were having to we were going to move back to to Texas and I needed about six thousand dollars. So I called my dad and I said, remember when you said whatever I need, whatever you have, it's mine. I need six thousand dollars. And uh, he just said, OK, I give it to you. And he gave it to me. You know, the funny part about that is one day my dad said, son, I need six thousand dollars. <laughs> and he said, I need it to retire. My dad was trying to retire at 50. And he said, I need that. If I got that, that's all I need. I'm done at 50. We're good to go. You have any ideas? <laughs> so I said, you know what? I have this hot rod that that he built with his money that it was mine. And so I gave it back to him with that same mentality. What I have is yours. What you have is mine. And, and nothing is more important than having confidence in each other and in those relationships. Proverbs 6, 24 through 26. I miss that car, by the way. Really miss it. I didn't think that I would never get another one. It's been 20 years. Never got another one. But we'll let that die there. Proverbs 6, 24 through 26. Look at this. When you lie down, you will not be afraid. That's if you have confidence in the right shepherd. Right? Yes, you will lie down and you will sleep. Your sleep will be sweet. Do not be afraid of sudden terror, nor of trouble from the wicked when it comes. For the Lord will be your confidence. This is a direct teaching from the New Testament, right? It's from the gospel account when Jesus says, Fear not the man who can kill the body, but fear the one who can kill both the soul and the body. So we shouldn't be able to fear all these things. People live in fear all the time. I'm going to get shot. I know it. I'm going to get robbed. I know it. Somebody one day is going to break into my house. Maybe so. Maybe so. But if you have confidence that you're in the right fold and your faith is strong enough to know that I am faithful and my heart is like David's and I'm staying in there and I love that shepherd, even when I'm doing wrong and for in David's sake, the prophet Nathan came and told him, you're doing wrong. That's when God was correcting him. So when we're doing wrong, if we have that heart that can take that correction and stay with God and stay in the fold, no matter how much turmoil comes into our life, maybe it's prescription pills, maybe it's, you know, whatever addiction problems. If we just say, get away, Satan, please don't bother me. I'm going to fight to stay in this fold. You know, God the Father will just bring you back with the staff and you stay in there. You better, you would rather die in that faithful state struggling and he know it than you just leaving the fold and leaving his great uh, shepherdship. And so you have to have confidence for the Lord will be your confidence and will keep your foot from being caught. And that's all the devil wants. The devil just wants us to be caught. The devil wants you to think to yourself, am I really in the right church? Is it really the right teaching? Do we really believe the right things? Am I really just a New Testament Christian? Or what shall I do? My friends seem so happy. You know, denominationalism, a lot of the new denominationalism, it's built on marketing and happiness and they build it on the pastors of those situations. They give them the right haircuts, right? They give them the right trim up, 
they give them the right clothing, they give them the right marketing, the lighting, everything, and they always sell the pastor. And then they show all these people who are very happy. And is that what you want? If you want happiness, you read Proverbs chapter 3, and Solomon says, my son, listen to me. And he tells you how to be happy God's way. Right? So we can't be just going under anyone's shepherding, thinking that we're going to get happiness. Solomon tried the entire world right, at the highest level and still came back and said, fear God and keep his commandments. For this is this is man's all. And so when we see those things, we know that we have confidence in God. Philippians chapter one, verses three through six. God has confidence in you. And I want you to remember that God gives to everyone the opportunity to obey the gospel because he has confidence that every human being that was created and knows that every human being was created in the image of God has a soul, has competence, has reasoning abilities and has what God needs for you to have to be a part of his family. Right. So just know right off the bat. As we need to have confidence in God, God also has confidence in us. So when we walk out of the fold, where's his confidence level? Right? And where's yours? Philippians 1, 3, 6, Paul says, I thank my God upon every remembrance of you, always in every prayer of mine, making requests for you all with joy. That's with happiness for your fellowship in the gospel from the first day until now. So the fellowship that he has with the churches that he is, you know, exalting, giving a benediction to uh, this fellowship is the fellowship they have in the gospel. What is that? That is them hearing the word of God, believing that Jesus is the son of God, being baptized and the Lord adds them to the church. They're all in this same church and in there they have fellowship by the blood of Jesus Christ. That's 1 John chapter 1, verses 7 and following. If we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with him, right? That is Jesus Christ. So that's, that's that marriage that we opened up with. Now think about this. Your wife goes out on Black Friday. That's a bad idea already, right? If y'all do that, don't do it. Just wait till Cyber Monday and go online. There's a lot of bad stuff that happens out there. Just think about if your spouse, and, and it's a good house, the house you have, and, and you do well, you treat them right, they go out and they don't come back. Well, they said they were going to be back. They left at 3 o'clock in the morning just to get the deal, but, and they told everybody where they were going because this happens in the church. So we tell them, we're going here and here and here. We'll be back. They don't come back. Do you think... You would worry about that spouse, right? They told you, I'm going to love you. I'm going to trust you. They told you, I'll be back, but they didn't come back. When do you start calling hospitals? When do you start calling the cops? When do you start calling your family members? When do you sit your children down and say, I don't know where mommy's at, right? When does that worry set in? And so that's the same thing. Jesus has that confidence in us. And you'll see it here that, that we can stay in that fold. And so he says here, 
for your fellowship in the gospel from the first day until now, being confident, there's that word, of this very thing. What is he confident of? That he who has begun a good work in you, he married you, he trusts you to be in the fold of those sheep, and those sheep that people are shepherding, they don't just walk around for fun eating, right? He's not just walking them around like a Bedouin in the desert so they can just eat and be merry, and that's what he does. No, he uses them. They work for him. He gets um, stuff from them, product from them, from every season, from every way that they're delivering. So that's what God is, has confidence in you, that he who has begun a good work in you will complete it until the day of Jesus Christ. You know what that is insinuating? That's insinuating that God has a plan for every single Christian to preach and teach the gospel to be a living epistle for everyone to see that you are like God. You are the mirror image of Jesus Christ. You are a sheep in the fold. And that insinuates that when you become part of that fold and you have the job to do, he expects, if you're looking at this, look at this, that he who has begun a good work in you will complete it. You know what that means? He expects you not to leave the fold. That's what that means. He expects when you entered into marriage that you meant it, that you would stay there and that you would take his guidance and complete your run. You need to be confident because you're needed. People leave the church all the time and they don't realize God's confident in you. He, he puts you on a mission and believes you can complete it. And, and the congregation needs you. God needs you. You need to be confident that you're needed. First Chronicles 28 and verse 20. And David said to his son Solomon, be strong and of good courage and do it. You see that? You see that? Be strong, be of good courage, and do it. You know where we stop today as Christians? Oh, I'm strong. I have a lot of courage. Try me. People aren't supposed to try you. Where do you go to church and try to evangelize you? Or, you know, anything like that. You're supposed to be the one doing it. But usually, in today's time, the church stops at, I'm strong in my faith. I'm holding the pattern. I'm of good courage. Test me. That's not the way it works. We're supposed to be strong, of good courage, standing fast the pattern, and going out and really holding the pattern and trying to evangelize to do the work that God says, here it is again, that you can complete. But what are we? We're the sheep in the very, very back, right? Just think about 100 sheep back there. Shepherd keeps looking back. One day they start running up. They start going out and they start running up. So we can't be always in the background. We've got to do it. We do not fear. Do not fear or be dismayed for the Lord God, my God, will be with you. He will not leave you nor forsake you until you have finished all the work. That's the same thing we looked at in Philippians. You're going to complete it. He's not going to leave you. I think once we get over the idea that we're going to offend people for being in the fold of God, when we start trying to evangelize people, talking to people about who we belong to, who's our shepherd, 
what congregation, why we believe what we believe. See, we're too worried today about making Ethel upset, right? She's going to be mad. I know I really value her friendship. We need to get over that real quick because God didn't say, I'm sending you into the world because I want you to make friends. He didn't say that. He didn't say, I'm sending you into the world because I want you to be conscientious about someone's feelings. He didn't say all those things. What he did say is, I need you to go evangelize. I need you to make disciples. Let everybody know Jesus is coming back again, lest they be, you know, confronted with flaming fire and vengeance and so forth. You go tell them because you need to make a brother or a sister. So he didn't say to make friends. He said you need to make more family. And so there's a whole difference. You talk to your family different than you talk to your friends. Right. We hear that all the time. Why do we talk to our family one way? Why do we talk to our friends the other way? Because we truly love our family. and We're correcting our family and we, we care the most for them. So they're going to get it. <laughs> right. But your friends. Yeah, let's just have a good platonic relationship and it's going to be OK. Right. So we need to be having courage and doing those types of things. We must have confidence in Jesus. Ephesians chapter three, verses 10 through 12. To the intent that now the manifold wisdom of God might be made known by the church. I want you to think of sheep, a bunch of sheep. Think about them. Right. Hundreds of them. That's us. We've got to be speaking. We've got to be making noise. It is up to the church. Right. Let me see if this works. Oh, look, there it works. We need to be making the manifold wisdom of God known. Who's going to tell people the sheep? You see that the church, the ecclesia. So it's important that we're in that fold doing our job. You know, I thought about it and I said, you know what? I'm going to talk about this and start talking about all. I started thinking about all the things that the, the sheep do and, you, you know, you milk them, you do all that. I said, it's too graphic. Let's just go with preach the gospel. <laughs> Let's just go with preach the gospel. But we need to be making our, our, our voice heard and we make this, this manifold wisdom of God known right by the church to the principalities and powers, even to the heavenly places, according to the eternal purpose. The eternal purpose is that the sheep stay in the fold and do their job and listen to the shepherd because it's in that fold that the Lord actually fulfills his job. And he accomplished the greatest mission of all in Christ Jesus, in whom we have boldness and access Look at the word with confidence through faith in him. Do not lack confidence. We need to have confidence of heaven. People leave the fold because they're not so sure. And I've talked to quite a few people who have left the church. This is their answer. This is almost all the time. This is their answer. I have a personal relationship with Jesus. I'm doing fine. I have faith that if I die, he's going to take me to heaven. And I say, but does your faith have a book, chapter and verse? <laughs> right. What does the Bible say? The, the, the reality of this is this. If that sheep goes off 
God's going to be long-suffering, right? And He's going to be patient. But He's only going to be patient for as long as you have to live here on this earth. And you need to have the wherewithal to say, I'm not special. And I'm going to repeat that one more time. I'm not special. That means God is not going to look at me any different than any one of you because of who I am or what I've done or whether I think I have some sort of special relationship where God's going to forgive me even though I've left his shepherd, his shepherd's staff, right? We know that God is not a respecter of persons. He's not going to give special privileges. He says in John chapter 12 and verse 48 and following, do not marvel, this is Jesus, he says, do not marvel that I tell you that I didn't come to judge. The words, the script, the scroll that you have in your hand, the words of God, that which you have in your hand will judge you. You know what that means? If it's in the book, it's going to judge you. If it's not in the book, you better not believe it. Even if you have a good emotion about it. I feel good. We have a great relationship. I don't care. You can think what you want to think. If you're not following the shepherd at his at his um, his staff and his confidence, you should not have confidence in those areas. Second Corinthians chapter five and verse six. So we are always confident. I hope you notice that every verse that we've been using shows confident, confident, confident. We are always confident knowing that's the word. Uh, gnosis or nosco in the Greek, meaning I have this knowledge. And it's the type of knowledge that, you know, it, it's the guy who says, let's build a, a shed. And a person says, let me go on the internet to get a blueprint. He's like, you kidding me? I've built one three times. Let's go. And just knows how to do it. That's that knowledge. You need to have that kind of knowledge uh, about your confidence in Christ. And what are they confident about? They're always confident knowing that while we are at home in the body, we are absent from the Lord. That's because they're faithful in the fold. Second Corinthians chapter five, verse eight. We are confident. Yes. Well, pleased, rather to be absent from the body and to be present with the Lord. That's because they know who their shepherd is and they know if they die, it would be better because they've been in this nice little sheepfold. And they've been listening to their master. And when they die, the master is going to take them where they need to go because they've trusted him their entire life. It's very sad. It's very sad when you think about it. If you can if you've been in the church a long time, if you maybe you're multiple generations, maybe it's just 10 years. If you think about it, you know, multiple people, you can start counting them. People who are not in the church anymore, who were, who were faithful and left. They just didn't grasp how important it is to stay in the shepherd's fold. And so we need to have confidence in each other. That is, we need to have confidence in helping each other stay spiritual, stay strong, stay in the fold. I tell people all the time, if I'm doing wrong, you see me, tell me. Don't be shy, right? Because I'm going to tell you. <laughs> so please tell me because I need you to help me get to heaven. And I'm not ashamed of telling people that I need help. 
right? Because we all need help. Jesus sent them out two by two, not one at a time, because everybody needs help to stay confident and to stay focused. Romans 15 and verse 14. Now I myself am confident concerning you, my brethren, that you also are full of goodness. We need to be confident in each other, knowing that I can count on any single one of you to know that I can count on y'all to help me and y'all help each other to pull through the hard times, filled with all knowledge, able to also also to admonish one another. I need you to lift me up. I don't need you to tear me down. Have you heard two brothers fight when they're young, right? This is how you get through this part in the game. No, it's not. I'll tell you how to get through it. No, this is how I do. No, it's not. I'll tell you how to get through it. This is not how you do it. Yes, this is how you do it. I'll turn your power off. Right? That's not the kind of relationship that we need to be having, childish relationships. We need to have the relationships that we're able to talk to people and say, hey, I'm confident that uh, the Bible teaches this, and um, maybe you're doing it this way, but we should be doing it this way, and tell them you know, lovingly. Lovingly. So we need to have confidence in each other. We need to be convinced, right? We need to be 100% convinced. Romans 8, 38 through 39. For I am convinced that neither death, you need to be convinced of this, neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor any other created thing. Nothing at all will be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus, our Lord. I'm going to bring this back a moment and open this up for you. Do you know when they obeyed the gospel, Paul said, uh, that form of gospel, when you obeyed from the heart, that form of gospel, which form? The right form, the real form, the one that gets you into the fold that takes you to heaven. Now he's saying, if you're in that fold, you believe that truth, you follow that truth, You don't sway from that truth. You stay in the fold. The only thing that's going to separate you from God is yourself. And I know that because this is what he said about Demas. Demas was his worker, his fellow laborer, a preacher. I mean, extraordinaire. They would put him in a thousand man church today. And you know what he did? He says, he's writing to Timothy, come to me quickly. For Demas has left. He has departed. Having left the church. Left his first love. Why? Because the, he loved the world. And so what separated him? Himself and his love for the world. So once you're in the fold, the only thing that gets you out is yourself. And that's the thing that we need to realize. And uh, I know I see the kids there, so we'll make it really quick here. I want to tell you this too. We can do all things in Christ who strengthens me. Right? We can do all things in Christ Jesus if we stay with what he says. In Romans 8, 23, and we know all things work together for good to those who love God. How do you love God? You keep his commandments, right? To those who are the call. How are you called? By hearing the gospel according to his purpose. What is your purpose? To complete the mission, to stay in the fold and live a faithful life so you can be present with him outside the body. As we close here, I just want to mention this really quickly. You know, the Bible says in in Mark chapter 8, Mark chapter 8, verse 37 through 38, it says there, uh, or what will a man give in exchange for his soul? When Jesus says that, 
He's not saying, maybe you will, maybe you won't. He says, or what will a man give in exchange for your soul? That means everybody has a weak spot. Everybody can be bought by the devil for something. And everybody knows what that is. So you need to build yourself up, guard yourself from the wilds of the devil, stay in the fold and be grateful that you have brothers and sisters and the Lord Jesus who gave you the doctrine to gently correct you to stay in his fold. Thank you so much for your attention.